appreciate the two good messages that I heard this morning. It stirred my heart, and then I appreciate the messages last night. I appreciate Brother Hayes and Brother Bolton. I've been knowing Brother Bolton for probably, I've been married 19 years. I've been knowing him for 21 years. I met him years ago, way out in Arkansas. Yes, he was driving a truck, a semi-tractor and trailer and pastoring. I met him out there years ago. I've known Brother Tom about that long, too, and I count them dear friends in the ministry. Yes, sir. that I pray for every day, try to remember them. And I appreciate Brother Dagenhart and uh, Brother Fox inviting us to come and be in this meeting. Now, some of you are looking at me like reckon you can preach, and I'm looking at you like reckon you can handle it when you get down to it. Yeah. Amen. I trust that the Lord will help us together. And I really did enjoy last night and this morning. I tell you, I thought about a verse, and I'm trying to just get over being nervous just a minute. I thought about a verse in Psalm 68. When the psalmist said, Thou, O God, didst send a plentiful rain, whereby thou didst confirm thine inheritance when it was weary. I believe that's what camping is all about. God will confirm his inheritance when we're weary, and he'll send that plentiful rain. And uh, so I was in a meeting one time, read that verse, and there's a young preacher jumped up, and he said, I smell the rain of coming. Yeah, because he said, I'm awful weird. He said, I know I'm God's. He said, I know he's going to confirm his inheritance. Amen. Now, I must apologize. I must leave as soon as the service is over. Uh, the young man that they were talking about that died, Brother Joe Porterfield, he's a member of my church, a member of the church that I attend. Uh, a lot of lot to be said there. That young man, just 19 years old, he had just surrendered to preach the gospel. And uh, he had just been to a camp meeting, was coming home night before last. And he fell asleep just a few miles from the house, from his house. He hit, he hit a telephone pole, killed him instantly. And two years ago, his granddaddy was preaching in the camp meeting and fell over dead while he was preaching, Brother A.J. Porterfield. Mm-hmm. Just less than about six months ago, his nephew, another Porterfield, had a wreck on a, on a motorcycle, paralyzed him from the neck down. And if you think you've got problems, you can look around. There's always somebody else that's got a worse. And I'll be headed that way, and I trust that you'll pray for us. I appreciate, again, the motel accommodations. I stepped in that motel and thought it was heaven. I'm telling you, that's the nicest I've ever been in. I mean, that's a nice place to stay, and I appreciate it. And I'm almost hesitant about preaching this message because Brother Hayes, Brother Tom alluded to it last night. And I was saying, Lord, help him to get off that so I'll have something to preach in the morning. And uh, not that I don't have anything else, but I just feel like God put this on my heart. He's put it in my heart. And, I, and I, what I usually do is ring them out until he gets it out of my heart. I just ring them and ring them and ring them until I ring all the juice out of it that I can get out of it. So in Luke's Gospel, chapter number 23. I want to pick up reading in verse number 55. Now, we're all familiar with the story of the gospel. We know how that Christ has been crucified here and how that he's been buried. And we know that he's going to arise. We know that he's going to get up. And we know that he's going to triumph over death, hell, and the grave. But did you know none of the apostles and none of the disciples ever comprehended that message? They never knew that Jesus was going to have to go to the cross. Now, they heard about the kingdom. They heard about the kingdom age and him ruling and reigning and the millennial, what the prophets had to say, but they never, they never understood the cross. And so when this happened, you must understand, it totally devastated all the apostles and the disciples when Jesus hung there and bled and died when they took him down and put him in that borrowed tomb, it absolutely, the bottom fell out in their life. Yes, so I want to read now, and I'm a little bit like Brother Tom alone. I have to read till I get over being nervous. That's what Brother Tom said. So I'll just read till I get over being nervous and try to preach. I can't read far. We just got one chapter after, verse, after chapter 23. But in verse number 55, the Bible said, Luke 23, 55, And the women arose, which came with him from Galilee, followed after, and beheld the sepulcher, and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. Now they were there at the tomb. They saw the way, the position that his body was laying. 
They went back and prepared the spices. Chapter 24, verse 1. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. Now from the time in chapter 23 that they saw the Lord's body laying there, till you come to chapter 24, you remember the scribes and Pharisees, they went unto Caesar and they said, we remember what this deceiver saith. We remember that. And so we want you to, to set a watch and to set a guard and, and lest his disciples come and steal his body away. And so by now it's known that there's a stone, a massive stone, that's in front of the tomb. And on the way to the sepulcher that morning, I believe the women were saying to themselves, Who roll away the stone? Who's going to remove that stone? And when they got there, the Bible says in verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed, and notice that, they were not happy, they were not rejoicing, they were not shouting, but the Bible said it came to pass as they were much perplexed. They tell me this word means to be at a loss mentally. To be at a loss mentally. I, I mean, they're confused. They're bewildered. They're thinking, we saw him laying here, but where is he now? Yeah. And the Bible said, as they were much perplexed, there about behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And returned from the sepulcher, told all these things unto the eleven, and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene, and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them, that is to the apostles, as idle tales. That simply means an incredible story. This is something, you know what they're probably saying. These men are saying, well, you know how women are. You know how women are prone to carry things further than that. They're ecstatic, you know. Man, they're, they're all excited. And it seemed to them as idle tales. And they, that is the apostles, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself. You see, Simon Peter didn't even understand. He left the sepulcher wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Now, that's where I want to pick up reading, through reading, and begin to start preaching now. I want to preach this morning with the help of God on empty empty on the road to Emmaus. I want to look here at verse number 13. The Bible said, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs, empty on the road to Emmaus. Now, as we're looking at this this morning, we're all familiar with this story. I mean, they, they've said, they've seen these young men, they're angelic beings. They've said, why seek you the living among the dead? He's not here, he's risen. They go back, they, attempt, they tell the apostles and the others, and the words seem like idle tales. And what's happened to everybody, all of their dreams have been shattered. Every hope Amen. that they put in the Lord Jesus has literally been rent asunder. Do you understand that? I mean, every ray of hope's gone. All their dreams are shattered. Their world has simply crumbled and fell apart. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This will probably happen to you and I if the Lord doesn't come soon. Sooner or later in the Christian life, uh, you're going to find yourself bewildered. You're going to find yourself perplexed. Uh, you're going to find yourself mentally at a total loss uh, and not know which way is up or down. I'm telling you, now you 
say, preacher, that's kind of pessimistic. Well, I'm just trying to tell you the truth, friend. I have this, and nobody cares how much, nobody in this building cares how much you and I know until they know how much you and I care. Right. Are you listening? Yeah. I had an old preacher tell me that one time, and he about made me halfway mad when he told me that. I thought I'd preached a tremendous message, and, and I had rooted like a, I mean, I tore up and preached and laid out everything that moved, and, and he came to me and said, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And sooner or later, friend, you too are going to find your dreams shattered. Your hopes may be blown off. The bottom may fall out in your Christian life. Now, I pray that it doesn't happen. I pray that it's not so. But before you get home, some of you pastors, before you get home Sunday, you think about the Porterfield family. That boy was on his way back from a revival meeting yeah. and died that night. And I mean within just a few hours, their home, their life was completely shattered. Here we have these that I call these two in verse 13. I want to preach this morning. I'm trying to get across empty on the road to a man. Now, as we look at this in verse 13, 14, and 15, I'm going to preach just first five verse with the help of the Lord. I hope it doesn't offend anybody that I use the Bible and stay with the Bible. I have to make apologies today for preaching out of the Bible, but that's about where we come to. I just want to use the Bible. Let the Bible speak for itself. Here, here in Luke chapter number 24, verse 13, 14, and 15, you find that there's two of them with that same day. That same day implies the same day that the women have came back from the empty tomb, the same day that they come back with this message that the body of Christ is missing. But remember, nobody has seen Christ yet. Mm-hmm. Nobody has laid eyes on him. Nobody's seen him. And as far as they know, somebody stole the body. They don't believe he's resurrected. The women have heard the message of the two angelic messengers. But uh, Simon Peter doesn't believe. The apostles doesn't. They don't believe. Uh, the disciples don't believe. And so here we have what I call two disappointed saints. Two that are disappointed. And I want you to bear with me now. And uh, you can argue this after I'm gone. I'm going to tell you what I believe about these two. I know that one of them, we have one of them's name in verse number 18. The Bible said, and the one of them, whose name was Colophus, his name is Colophus. We only have one of the two. We only have his name mentioned. Now, you know who I believe the other one was? I believe the other one, and I stand to be corrected, and I'm not trying to bring up an argument, but I believe the other one was Colophus's wife. I believe this is a husband and a wife team right here. You say, Brother Buster, how can you come to that conclusion? Well, I hate to think that two men were living together down in the base, wouldn't you? And not only that, I found in the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 25, now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Colophus, and Mary Magdalene. And if you preach it the way you want to preach it, I'm preaching this morning, and you can correct it tonight or tomorrow, whatever. I believe, Brother Bogner, with all of my heart, this is a husband and a wife. You say, preacher, see, don't you know there wasn't no women disciples? Hey, now, wait a minute. There were 12 apostles, but there were many, many disciples. And there were even women that were disciples, friend. That word means a learner or a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, for the sake of illustration, I see a husband and a wife here that are so disappointed about what's happened that what they do, they simply, if you let me use this, they leave the Savior. They leave the sanctuary. They leave the last place they've seen the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that's why and they, they, they leave Jerusalem, which means the city of God. They're headed down toward Emmaus. They tell me the word Emmaus means in earnest longing. In earnest longing. They don't tell Simon Peter. They don't tell James and John. I mean, they don't say a word to anybody, friend. They just gather their belongings. And they head out toward 
And I see right here, there's some disappointed saints. Yeah. And if you're going to try to minister today, you better get ready to try to minister to disappointed saints. Because in all of our congregations, and even among many, many preachers in their households, there's a lot of us that are disappointed. Disappointed and disillusioned. Things have not turned out like we thought they were going to turn out, have they? If many of us would be honest, friend, hey, we come to these camp meetings and people put on the plastic and they put on the veneer and they'll say, how you doing? Everybody will say, man, I'm doing that 90 miles high. And if they'd be honest, they're 90 miles low, friend. And what I'm looking for is somebody to be honest. Somebody that just be honest with us and tell us where we're at. And 
Dr. F.B. Meyer also said that. He said, young preacher, when you stand up to preach, he said, you look over a crowd. And the first thing you look for, he said, you look spiritually for broken hearts and broken homes and people that are broken and try to mend the broken hearted people. And I read where Dr. F.B. Meyer said on his deathbed, if he had his ministry to live over, he'd preach more to broken hearted people. Yes, sir. And they're everywhere today. Oh, they're under this. They're under this harbor this morning. They're here. We're here this morning. So you see, I find people are disappointed. Yes, sir. Some are disappointed in their church. Listen, some are disappointed in their church. Some are disappointed in church leaders, and rightfully so. Some are disappointed in their companions. This is the hardest day on record to keep marriages together. Yeah. 52% of all marriages, all marriages are in the divorce court. Yeah. I'm not trying to belittle anybody. I, I'm not trying to make a celebrate Christianity anybody that's been divorced and got right with God. I'm trying to help these that have not been divorced. God help you to stay together. He said, Preacher, my wife left me this past year. We've been married 38 years. He said, My this is a preacher. He said, My wife Lord left me after 38 years. And I find there's many people that are disappointed in their children. Disappointed in their children. Children haven't turned out right. I tell you that night, hey, this is going to get real touchy right here. It's going to get real quiet. I believe the Lord wants to help somebody right here. Several years ago, I believe some men took a verse of Scripture out of, really out of context. They lifted it out of the book of Proverbs. You understand the Proverbs were proverbial sayings that Solomon collected. He gave some, some were already said, and he collected them, and God saw fit to canonize them in the Scripture. And there's a verse that men lifted out and made a doctrine out of it. What the Bible said, train up a child the way that he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. And they said, there's your guarantee. Yeah. They said, you train them up right, send them to Sunday school, teach them Bible verses, uh, and send them off to, uh, you know, camps, uh, and then send them to Christian school. Uh, and they said, I guarantee you, your children will turn out right. And one of those men, I'm not calling any names, one of those men made a statement years ago. He said, if your children, preacher, turn out wrong, he said, hang up your Bible and turn your credentials in and get you a job. That was before his son messed up in the ministry. Uh-huh. Now, I want to try to help somebody here. Are you listening to somebody? You are on a guilt trip. Somebody, the devil's beating your spiritual brain. I mean, he, he is, he's, he's dogging your trail. Your son is not turned out right. Your daughter's not turned out right. You're sitting there, wait a minute, preacher. Hey, my daughter's 17 this morning. She's never given me an ounce of trouble. My boy's 15, and they're both tender-hearted. They've witnessed a good report of salvation. But before it's over, my daughter may be a street-walking prostitute, and my boy may be a dope addict. I don't know, and I've got news for you. You don't know either. Solomon claimed unto these in love. He disobeyed God like that. 
And you know what the Bible says in verse 3 had 700 wives. Solomon said, He that findeth a, findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Now, he had 700 wives. And he had 300 concubines, friend. That's what he said in verse number 3. And listen to verse 4. Listen to it. The Bible said, For it came to pass when Solomon was old. When he was old, that, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Come on now, get your head up. It ain't time to pray. We're not having no benediction. What are you going to do with that? The Bible said when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. Hey, he built idol gods to Chemosh. Hey, he built all kinds of idol gods. And the Bible said and the Lord was angry. That's when he was old, friend. And you know what? I believe that verse of Scripture teaches us in Proverbs 22, verse 6. I'm going to give you seed knowledge right here. You do with it what you want to do. I believe if you train up a child in the way that he should go when he's old, he'll not depart from it. I believe that means you train them right and you instill the gospel in them and you instill uh, principles and truth. Uh, they may sit on a bar stool. Uh, they may shoot and dope in their veins. Uh, they may snort coke out of a spoon. Uh, they may shack, be shacked up living somewhere in sin uh, and behind penitentiary bars. Uh, but the longest day they live on this planet, uh, they'll never, never, never uh, be able to get away from the truth. children's will. God will not save your children against their will. God will not make them serve Him. You listen to me. So I'm finding a lot of people disappointed. 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 And where did we ever get this philosophy, God won't hurt us? Where did you ever come up with this, God won't hurt you? I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe God will hurt you and let you be hurt deeply. But He will not harm you. One of the greatest missionaries I ever met, one of the greatest missionaries I know, and I have to be careful how I say this, 16 years on the foreign field, trying to reach the heathen for, for God, raised his children on the missionary field. When he came home, had to come home, his boy, 21 years old, are you listening? His boy, 21 years old, brought a letter and laid in his dad's lap and walked out. I was in a meeting. The pastor wasn't there that night. The pastor's wife came to me and said, this meeting, you go where the, my, my husband is and another pastor is. You meet with this man. His son left him in his dad's lap and said, I am a son. I am a son. You say, that man must have messed up somewhere. That man didn't train his child right. That, hey, have you got any guarantees that your children or grandchildren are not going to be sodomites? Or drunkards? Or whoremongers? Apart from the grace of God. And some of you are here this morning and your children, and if it's not your children, it's your grandchildren. I've never seen a time when more parents, more, more grandparents are raising grandchildren than before. Right. And I commend right. you, grandparents. I commend you with yes, all of them. Yes, sir. But it's sad. There's this. Do you see it? I got to hurry. They left the church. They left the sanctuary. They left the same. They just walked away. They're, they're heartbroken. They're disappointed. But then notice, listen to their sad conversation. The Bible said in verse number 14, you need to read a little further. The Bible said in verse number, and you know Emmaus, the Bible said it was about seven, the scripture said it was about three score furlongs. That's between eight to nine miles, they tell us. And the Bible said in verse 14, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. Now that's their conversation. You listen to their sad conversation. They're on their way away from Jerusalem. They're going down to Emmaus. It's seven to eight, nine miles. And we listen to their sad conversation. 
It came to pass they, that, that they communed together, and then notice this next word, and reason. Now, by the time I, I looked at that, I said, now, Lord, the word commune, they tell me, means to talk and to converse, but this word reason, why did you use another word? And this word reason means to discuss. It means to dispute and even question. And they got into a heated conversation as they were going down the road of they didn't understand what was going on, friend. They didn't understand. Have you ever been there? Can you hear their conversation? Can you hear one of them say to the other, Why did Simon Peter deny the Lord? I mean, we looked up to him. He was always out front. And he denied the Lord and cut took an oath. The other one said, Will you tell me why Judas is carried sold the Lord out? Why did he commit suicide? While I'm passing, let me say this. I want to say this to help somebody else. If your loved one is saved, if your loved one loses their mind, if your loved, your loved one commits suicide and they're saved by the grace of God, they're sure bound for heaven as you're bound for heaven. Amen. Back in the mountains of East Tennessee, where I'm from, up in the hills, they say if anybody commits suicide, they go to hell. You don't find that in the Bible. Amen. Ahithophel committed suicide. Samson committed suicide. Saul committed suicide. I mean, there's several. And this, you can put Saul wherever you want to. I'm just telling you, a saved child of God. I want to throw this out. I've never been here before. May never come back again. I didn't ask to come. I was invited to come. I will say this. You, you better be careful about telling people what medicine to take and what medicine not to take. I don't know where this, I, mean, I don't know where you got your doctor's license. Are you listening to me? You are. Brother Tom knows who I'm talking about, and he called me this past week. Good friend of ours called me tore all two pieces, and uh, he and, I, and I'm confessing. I, I, and they diagnosed me in '95 as being chemically imbalanced. I take I had to take a pill every day of my life. And I've been on Prozac, I've been on Welburn, I've been on Lithium, I've been on uh, Taxwell. You say, what in the name of God are you doing up here preaching the Lord? God called me and he invited me. You say, well, I don't think they ought to have a mentally deranged preacher over there preaching. i got news for you, big boy. Hey, you you got less than a whole time yourself. <laughs>
went by and told that old preacher, said, if you really knew God, you'd flush that down the toilet. Oh, we'll pray for you. I told that preacher friend of mine, I still call him a friend. I said, you'll live with this the longest day you live. You know what that man yes, did? Sir. He did that. And he went he went down the bottom of depression. His two daughters were there in the room. He's laying in bed. The dad had his hand up under the pillow. I'd like to have his head propped up. And they were sitting there, two daughters sitting in front of him. And he pulled the revolver out, put it to his head, and blowed his brains out by the Lord God. One of them was a Church of God girl. She screamed, Daddy's in hell, Daddy's in hell, Daddy's in hell. And that daughter that was a she was a, she was a Baptist. She came to me and I said, Sister, let me talk to you. I said, Your daddy was a saved man. I believe he was with all my heart. And I said, I believe your daddy's in heaven just as sure as there is life. You see, I hear him asking questions. What about the kingdom? What about what what what, what about the millennium? What are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? You see, we see this disciples that are saved. I don't want to close here. Look at verse 15 and 16. Little further. And while it came to pass that, that while they communed together in reason, the Bible said, Jesus himself drew near. I wish I could tell you what he does for me. You, you see, this is a busy day for the Lord. He just got up from the grave. And he's done me back to the third heaven and put his blood on the mercy seat. He sees two of his disciples were discouraged and defeated and despondent and hurt. He raised Lazarus with three words, Lazarus, come forth. He said, the will of name, son, arise. He said, and Jairus' daughter, I'm saying to thee, arise. But for two discouraged, defeated, despondent disciples. Standing in the shadows with his arms Yeah. He's awake, though. Look how long the doctor. And he steps out. This begins to break up. Number 16, the scripture said, if I can see it, and the Bible said, but their eyes were holding, that means to you strength to retain, that they should not know him. Jesus didn't want, him, didn't want them to know him. Mark's gospel said he appeared unto them in another form. Don't blame them for not knowing him. He disguised himself. Here's the disguise, the Savior. Disappointed saints disguised and I like what Matthew Henry had to say about this. Matthew Henry said the re I said, I thought to myself, Lord, why didn't you just step out and say, here I am? Come yeah. I'm resurrected. I'm alive. You know what Matthew Henry said? He said the reason Jesus took seven to eight miles and preached them a message that went from Genesis all the way to Malachi. He said because they trusted so much in his bodily presence, he was weaning them from, the, from his bodily presence. They didn't even know who he was. He appeared in another form, and he wanted them to trust more in his right. I said, oh, I ain't never seen his bodily presence. Right. Oh, we have to trust him as well. You know what? Here's the disguised Savior. You know, you can be on the road to Emmaus. You can be so disheartened, so disillusioned, so defeated. You can pass the mile marker of inability to even recognize Jesus. Now, I don't know if you'll be this honest or not, but I've been in camp meetings just like this. And I went to get a blessing. I needed a blessing. I need to hear from heaven. Yeah. Brother Bolton, I've come and said, Brother Tom, I can tell you where this happened. 1990, you were you don't even remember it probably. You were preaching for Brother Benny Whitmarder at North Rockwood Baptist Church. I believe that's when I first started having my problems with chemical imbalance. They never diagnosed it to 95. Mm -hmm. And I fought with that stuff for five years and I wanted what it was. Yeah. I thought it was I thought it was demonic warfare, not pray, pray, pray. And uh, but I went to hear Brother Tom. I said, Lord, they, the doctor said take off two weeks. Yeah. You got to slow down, son. And I took off, and I stayed in the bed two days, and I said, if I could just get to where Brother Tom's preaching, 
said, I know he'll magnify the Lord. I said, I know he'll be lifting Jesus up. And I thought if I could just... I deliberately came in late. I deliberately left early. And I'm going to be honest with you. What about Tom's fault? Oh, man, hey, he was laying it out. I mean, I mean, home run after home run was leaving that church. There's saints shouting and rejoicing, climbing over pews. It was rich. I sat there. I couldn't reach up and procreate. I so long. So far, Dan. Have you ever been there? Yes, sir. Have you ever got down to pray? You can't even form all of your words. God. Have you ever held a Bible and looked at it and all it looked like was black letters on a white page? And all I could say was help the Lord. Help the Lord. Was standing somewhere in the street. On that other shore. Yes, sir. Right. Oh, there's a breeze blowing from another world from my soul. Yes, sir. Here's the disciples that were sad, verse 17. And he just opens up the conversation. He said, no, no, And he said unto them, what manner of communication are these that you have one to another as you walk and stand? He didn't even let them say nothing. He just started talking to them. You know what? They didn't even know who he was. And they said, sir, you must be a stranger. You must be from Africa. Maybe you're from France or Italy. You must be a stranger to what's been going on in Jerusalem. Are you alone about this? See, he, he didn't beat him over the brow. He didn't hard pat him and fuss at him. You know what he said? He said, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another? Yeah. You and you know what they begin to tell him? I read this, an old writer said this to him, I like this. He said, how patient I want is to listen to what he already knows about <laughs> Yeah. Oh, how patient our Lord is to listen to what he already knows. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus said, just kill me. Just kill me. It happened to him. He was the one that was crucified. He was the one that was mocked. But he said, just kill me. trusted only to see the bottom fall out. Mm. I said, Mr. Stranger, we trust you. See, the bottom fell out. They lost hope in his redemption. They said, we trusted that would be he which would have redeemed Israel. See, they were looking for that social reformation. They were looking for that uh, that social uh, redemption and setting up the kingdom. Not, they never saw him going to the cross. And I like what Dr. G. Campbell Morgan said. He said, thus we see their attitude. The cross had not destroyed their love for him, nor their belief in him, nor their intention for him. But it slain their hope. In the cross they saw failure instead of success. In the cross they saw failure yeah. instead of success. And I'm afraid that's the way I do sometimes. When the Lord calls on me to carry a particular cross, sometimes I look at his success. You might be surprised who's most successful here this morning. You might be surprised who's the most blessed saint of God in this house. Yes, sir. They lost hope in his redemption. They lost hope in his resurrection. They said, besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yeah. And they said, uh, they went to the sepulchre, the women did, and found it even as they, they, they said, women said, but him, but him they saw You see, this disciples that are sad. A declared sermon, we don't have time to go through this, verse 25, 26, 27. 
You know what he did? He raised the dead just like that. Do you hear me? Raised the dead just like that. Healed lepers just like that. But with, with, with disappointed saints, hurting sheep, he walked seven to eight to nine miles with them. And he took them on an Old Testament Bible survey class. He said, oh, fools. You said, right there it is, boy. He's going to work them over the head. That word fool means slow in learning. Right. Lacking of understanding. He said, oh, fools. It's slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken of you. And he said, and beginning at Moses. That doesn't mean Moses as a person. It means the first book right. of Moses wrote, right. which was Genesis. Beginning at the books of Moses and through all the prophets, he expounded unto them. He expounded. He explained thoroughly unto them the things concerning himself. How would you like to hear that message? Mm, yeah. You've got a lot of books in your library on Bible typology. Jukes huh? books and other books and metaphors and types. How would you like to hear the word of God himself? How would you like to hear the Son of God himself again in the book of Genesis? And walk all the way down to Malachi and say, Here I am, and here I am, and here I am. And I'm here, how Christ was Isaiah's tender plant root out of the dry ground. Why he was Solomon's rope to shatter the living He was Isaiah's substitute in that realm. By the hand, Sister Clovis, he said, just like you are walking down towards you, down towards you, ladies. So about halfway through that Old Testament, I believe Sister Clovis leaned back. She touched her husband over here, and she said, I don't know about you, but there's something going on in here. Thank you, Lord. Now I'm about done. 
fine surprise. Verse 30 and 31. Lord, I believe Miss Clovis is so tickled. The stranger's in the house. Well, the stranger's in there. And the Bible said in verse 30, 30, and it came to pass. Now, that tells me there's a lapse of time. And it came to pass. There's a lapse of time. As he said it meet with them, he took bread and blessed it and bread. Now, wait a minute. I'll ask two questions. I need some help here. And there's some good Bible students here. There's some, I consider theologians here, if you want to use that word. Where did they get the bread? And where did they get the meat? How long have they been following the Lord? Who knows? His ministry lasted three and a half years. Reckon they've been following for weeks, months, six months. Where did they get the bread? Where did they get to? Only thing I came up with is either she made bread and Brother Clovis went out and killed the kid of the goats and prepared meat, or they went to a neighbor's house and bought it. They didn't have bread boxes, and they didn't have deep freezers where you could pull a lamb chop out and put it in a in, in a microwave and nook it and then put it on the grill and cook it. <laughs> if she made bread, I see her in there making that bread. Now, I don't know all that goes with making bread. I mean, my wife makes cathead biscuits second to none. I don't know about all that. But I'll tell you what, I can see maybe there's flour involved in it. I don't know all, but I see tears coming down her face. She said, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I don't know who this stranger is. But thank you for sending him our way. Brother Clovis is out there underneath the stars. He's a kill the kid the ghost. He's preparing that meat, getting it ready. And he's looking up and thanking the same God for sending this stranger our way. They got into the house from the boat where they're all sitting there. Now she's got the bread. The word bread means loaf, loaf, a loaf. And there's the meat. And I believe Brother Clothes said, Mr. Stranger, would you do us the honors and ask the blessing? The Bible said, and their eyes were open and they, and they knew him, and it was in the blessing and in the breaking. Right. As Brother Hayes said last night, I really believe this. I believe, I believe they may have asked him to say the blessing. He took the bread, put it in his hands probably, and he said, Children, let's pray. He said, let's bow our heads. And he said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yes. I'll leave it one eye open, one eye closed. Sister Clovis kicked her husband underneath the table. And he said, I heard somebody else pray to us. <laughs>
laid up in the night. Brother Colton said, Lord, I can't believe this. My, what a day this is. He said, are you ready for Man, who can go to bed with words like this? It's like Brother Hayes said last night. Some of you read that for him. The Bible said in John, Luke chapter 24, verse 33, they rose up the same hour. I knew when she'll lovers. They rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They got up the same hour. Yes, they said, sir, we can go to bed. Right. Why, we're going back up to the yeah. It's 789 more miles. Yeah. But I promise you they will. What they do back then, they had little lanterns they put on the end of their sandals, their toes, their foot right there. And they had little things they carried. That guy wears a lamp into my feet and light into my path. If they step out in the darkness, they'd get light. This would get light. I believe they probably had that. Probably had that on their feet, had their little candlelight things, little lamps in their hands. Lord God, they're trying to get back up through there. And I mean, they can't hardly go for shouting. They don't go far. She said, right here, right here by this brook, right here by this little rock. I heard him say he was the Moses of Sharon. Yeah. Yeah. She said, honey, they're saying that the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared in the sign. Yeah. You read the four gospels through 25 times today, you won't find where Jesus ever appeared in the sign, but he did. But he did. Had he did? Yeah. Even Paul the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians 15, 5, he appeared in the sickness also. Right. That's not John 21, the sea of Tiberius, hold on. Some of that saying, that you know what he did? He appeared into the backslidden, cussing, Baptist Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The Lord said, Simon, I forgive you. I'm going to let you preach a message on the day of Pentecost. Yeah, it's going to about 3,000 souls. <laughs> you wouldn't have picked him for your pastor. You wouldn't have had him to preach in a cat But he did a good job on the day of Pentecost. Depends on who's got your book.
some to somebody's heart today. Don't you appreciate preaching right there? Some of you disappointed. Some of you discouraged. Some of you think you had nobody else has had problems like you had. Oh, I come to him this morning. He's a passing by. He's a Standing in the shadows, listen to the story of the history. Just dream. 